Anyway, today we conclude our Advent message series. Uh, it's called The Mystery of Christmas, as was named by the puppet show there. And uh, during Advent, there's four weeks where we celebrate hope, we celebrate joy and peace. And in our fourth week, as we celebrate Christmas Eve, we're going to be talking about God's love, which was emphasized by, thankfully, by the puppets themselves, that Christmas is ultimately, my friends, a story of the love of God. And um, as was read from Luke, the scripture there, we, we look at the birth of Jesus, the coming as a baby. But what I want to do is do something different today. In fact, these are some verses from the Bible that you've probably never read at Christmas time ever before. I could be wrong, but we're in a series that we've been doing called The Mystery of Christmas. And what we're looking at is the book of Revelation, which is a book of mystery. In fact, it means revelation, which is the unveiling of a mystery. And it shows us behind the scenes the what and the why from a heavenly perspective, why we celebrate Christmas. So we're going to take a quick look at that in the next 10 minutes to see if we can unpack some of this mystery. Now, one of the great mysteries that uh, the people have today when it comes to considering a loving God, and I've, I just had recent conversations with several people about this, some, some in this room, and the question is, how can we say that there is such an all-powerful, loving God when so much suffering is in the world? That's a question that I've wrestled with, that my friends have wrestled, and perhaps you today have wrestled with that question. It might be, that very thing might be a barrier to faith for you. And I think one thing we can all agree on is that one of the reasons that suffering exists in the world is because of lack of love. If there's one thing our world could use more of, it's, it's love itself. However, in the book of Revelation, which we've been studying, and this is the grand finale on our celebration of Christmas, we pull back the curtain to see what's happening in heaven and from a heavenly perspective that makes Christmas so important. And this is the story of why Christmas exists in the first place. So let's take a look. And we see this in a section of verses, again, you've probably never heard, at the end of the book of Revelation, toward the end, in, in Revelation chapter 20. And this is what we read, starting in verse 7. Okay, so get ready. This is probably, it's about God's love, but from a perspective you may have never heard before. So, when the thousand years are over, a period of time that was specified, also known as the millennial rule, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In number, they are like the sand on the seashore, and they marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. And so that city is representative of God's people. And if you've read the book of Revelation or understand what we've been learning over the past month or so, is that Revelation uses symbolic language to represent spiritual realities. And without getting too caught up in the details, because we could go down the rabbit hole pretty deep, but one of the things we see here is there is this evil character known as Satan. And evil exists because Satan exists. And he has led a spiritual battle which has manifested itself on earth, him and his minions and his army of both spiritual beings and human beings who follow in his deception 
to overtake and destroy God's people, the people he loves, and all who choose to follow him, whether they are spiritual or human. And so behind the scenes, what we see is that there's, there are, there's a spiritual dimension to Christmas that many of us don't see and often ignore. And God has given his people, those he loves, the free will to rebel against him if we want or not. And if he forced us to love him, think about this, if God forced us to love him, it wouldn't be love at all. Because his love is not coerced. Love is not forced. Love is a gift given freely, and God, in his love, has chosen to give every single human being, me and everyone here, the gift of free will, to choose as they would. And we have the choice to choose for God or against God. And when people choose against God and follow the deception of this spiritual being called the devil, that is when evil perpetuates itself. And so we see the story continuing in Revelation 20 in the next verses. God does something about this. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the bottom line here, my friends, is God protects those he loves. God, like a good father, like a loving friend, will protect those he loves. And God, in his power and love, this is why Jesus came, will bring an end to all the evil and all the suffering that has existed since the beginning of time, since that initial rebellion in heaven, which led to the rebellion of humanity against, against him, and all the sin and all of the suffering that we see because of the choices that humans have made. And Jesus coming as a light to the world and what we celebrate today is one of the clearest signs we get that God himself in heaven is doing something about the problem of evil, that he has come and he will come again as we celebrate Advent so that we can be free. And one day, those who have rebelled against him, who by faith believe and accept the gift that Jesus has given to us uh, through his death on his cross, through his coming and through his resurrection, can have free life and all evil will be done away with. See, another reason we don't understand I think the problem of suffering, and we see this in, in the scripture here, is that we just don't see the entire story. So have you ever seen one of those uh, Hallmark Christmas films? Uh, not that I know from ex personal experience. The romance ones, you know, and there's a guy and a girl, and they start to fall in love, and then something goes wrong, and it's all over. It would be like turning the movie off right at that time. It's just like, oh, that's the end of the movie and cutting it. But it's not the end of the story. At the end of the Hallmark story, the love story, you see there's a reconciliation. There's something that's made right in the end. And in our present day and in our present time, my friends, we just don't see the whole story like God does. And so we can't jump to conclusions about eternity and about the purpose of evil unless we truly have the perspective that God gives us. And in fact... God gives us a glimpse of his perspective in Revelation 21. And this is the, the final scripture I'd like to read here. Revelation, well, there is one more that ties it back in from Matthew, but from Revelation, the conclusion of the story. This is the fulfillment of the Christmas promise, my friends. Let's, let's look at this together. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw, this is John, who received this uh, apocalypse or this revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the older, old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. In the end, the story will make sense. And God gives us the conclusion to the Christmas story here in the book of Revelation at the very end. God will make every wrong right by his power and by his love, make things right and restore things in a way that humanity cannot. And it is not by our strength or by effort that we can be made right with God or make our, the world a right place. It is only by what God has done in the person of Jesus, no matter what you have done. In fact, this is the story of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is the promise of Christmas that we see as Jesus came suffering on the cross to those who would believe in him that they would not perish but have a relationship with him again. That's, that is the good news, my friends. But it doesn't stop there. So you might be wondering, as I finish here, you might be wondering, well, even if that's true in an eternal sense, one day I might go to heaven, I can be made right with God because of what Jesus has done. Well, how does that make up for all my suffering right now? How do I, what do I make of the suffering that I'm experiencing right now in my very, my very own life? Well, here's when I want to go back to the gospel account in Matthew. And he says this, quoting the uh, prophet Isaiah, Matthew 1. You've most likely heard this verse read at Christmas time throughout the years, and it is one of my favorite verses. Matthew 1, chapter 23, it says this. The virgin, and this is a prophecy, something that was prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before it even happened. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's say that together. God with us. This is the promise of Christmas, my friends. It is the promise that God will be with us. You see, Jesus never promised his disciples that they would have all the answers on this side of eternity. Jesus never promised his disciples that they would never suffer. And in fact, Jesus promised them that they would suffer. And if you look at the book of Revelation, the churches that he compliments the most and holds in highest esteem are those that had suffered purposely for him in faithful love for Jesus. And so there is something to the mysterious plan of God that involves suffering, and sometimes we just don't get to see the entire perspective. And what God does promise, however, though, is, is seen right here in this verse. Emmanuel, God, God with us. He doesn't promise, promise us freedom from any kind of suffering, but what does he promise us in the midst of the suffering? It's his very presence is that he will be with us to the end of the age. And that is the promise of Christmas, the promise that we celebrate today. And it's his presence that protects us right now. His presence 
right here and right now, protects us as we celebrate it at, at Advent, protects us from deception. God's presence protects us from hopelessness. God's presence protects us from joylessness. God's presence protects us from anger and bitterness and rage that want to consume our hearts. God's presence protects us from being led astray and becoming, in fact, a puppet of the devil as we are led along this path and becoming an army of destruction. God, God's presence right here, right now, gives us a sense of comfort right in the midst of our sorrow. And you might be suffering right now. You may be in the middle of a difficult situation. Perhaps it's uh, hospitalization or someone in your family is pain in pain or you may be in a relationship conflict or you may be financially uh, insecure about the future. Whatever that might be, God's promise to you is this, that I am with you always even to the end of the age. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And that is the invitation, my friends, the good news of the gospel of Jesus, not only for an eternity with God, undeserved, but for the very precious promise of his presence today. And we're gonna give everyone a chance, if you want to, to pray with us and to receive the gift of God's presence, if you'd like, in a moment. In fact, in a moment, we're going to be taking a communion. But if that's you, if you are feeling, if God is tugging on your heart today, that you need something more than yourself to escape the hopelessness or anxiety that overtakes you, you can invite God's presence into your heart. In fact, let's, let's take a moment to pray and I'll give you an invitation. Let's just bow our heads a moment. Lord, we thank you for this Christmas message that we celebrate today, that you are with us and that you are doing something about the problem of suffering and evil. And we know that very clearly because of what Jesus did, entering into the suffering and becoming suffering so that we could be made right with you. And if you today want to receive this great invitation, this mysterious invitation into a relationship with God, you say, come Holy Spirit into my life. I give my life to you today. I give the hopelessness and the anxiety and all the ways that I've tried to do life myself and I, I trust you, Jesus, the one who is making things new again. Make me new today. In Jesus' name, amen.